being so suppressed. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number two, the Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of the show, Newt, and uh, sorry, I was just talking about uh, caller Tony at the end of the last hour there. I mean, I, I, I like chatting with Tony, but there's just so many things that he knew to be true that were not so. <laughs> uh, Tony doesn't want me participating in Democrat primaries, but he only got there after asking if I ever voted for or participated in Democrat primaries. So first off, Tony tried to, his first line of attack was to call me a Republican and all you Republicans. And I said, I'm not a registered Republican. And he said, oh, well, when's the last time, you know, you voted for a Democrat? I said, well, the last election, I voted the Democrat primary. And then he didn't want me voting in the Democrat primary. See, so it's just this, it's a constant fallback to another line of attack. It's a constant retreat because his first attack didn't land. First attack was... I'm going to point out that Pete is a conservative or libertarian. I consider myself a lowercase l libertarian. I've also heard the term conservatarian. I kind of like that one as well. Um, But my general default is towards freedom and limited government. I try to approach all issues like that. And there are certain issues I find to be more important than others. I try to vote issues, not people, because politicians will break your heart. And so if I find people that are espousing what I want to see done from a policy standpoint, then I and that's a really important policy. Yeah, I'll support them. But here's the problem for me is that, again, being one who defaults towards freedom and liberty and limited government, the Democrats don't really want my support. Right. They really they really don't. They don't. They're not interested in trying to win over my vote. Because they don't espouse that philosophy on anything. Okay, except for killing babies. Aside from that, nothing. So why would I why would I vote for them? Look, I get it. Republicans, they're big spenders too. I get it. Republicans are hypocrites too. They do bad things as well. I I agree. But they're the only party that I have a chance of reigning in government with. The only one. All right, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let's go over here to Jim. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? Good. Uh, well, I've been a, I was Republican from 1970 on. I voted my first election, first presidential election in 72. I, I voted for Trump both times. And I, I left the Republican Party after over 45 years because they would not support the president who was elected Republican, and that was Trump. And I became unaffiliated. After this past election, I totally I totally quit voting, um, because I, I thought that was such a sham election. I re-registered as an unaffiliated uh, independent and voted uh, in this last election. But I, I got tired. For 30 years, I kept saying, I, you know, the, the Republicans aren't fighting anymore. They're not standing up for things, what I believe in. And I exactly what you just said. I'm a conservative, small government, that kind of thing. Because, like I said, I'm, I majored in political science in college, and uh, I, I picked what I wanted to be based on facts and ideals. 
but um, I'll never be a Republican again. I think there's a lot in my generation that have gone that way. Well, especially, yeah, especially in a state like North Carolina with an open primary system. Unaffiliated are now the largest uh, voting block. Uh, that's we we outnumber Democrats and we outnumber Republicans. So uh, if you have a state that has the rules set up as we do, why would you be a member of the party? And I recognize like there is a there's definitely an advantage when discussing politics uh, and issues with people like Tony, the previous caller, who want to be able to, uh, you know, attack me as one of all of these Republicans. So any Republican that does something bad, uh, he can then, you know, uh, he, he can lump me in with them. But the fact that I'm unaffiliated, he cannot. But I, on the other hand, can lump him in with all Democrats because he's a Democrat. Right. And so I recognize that this gives me uh, it gives me an advantage, rhetorically speaking, when having arguments over politics. I get that. And I think he was frustrated by that. But it's also I mean, that's independence. Right. You you don't have to I, like. You don't have to agree with everybody in the party because it goes the other direction, too. Not only can I not be attacked for all of the transgressions of Republicans, but I also don't have to agree with everything that Republicans do. I don't have to feel I, I don't feel a need to defend them on everything they do. Well, I've gotten to where I don't I can't see any difference between the two. Um, I, I believe in small government. I believe in individual rights and privacy. And uh, anybody that I don't care if they believe that I'm going to support them. Um, and there's some independents I've seen out there that I would vote for. Uh, if anything, I you know everybody's wondering about Trump. I think he may just wait and wait and wait, and he may just go to a third party, just like uh, Ross Perot did. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I liked Ross Perot, but I, I wanted to support Bush. And and to me, Ross Perot is the reason Bush lost the election years ago. Well, and I've heard this before. It was actually about uh, there was a there was a, a liberal guy who used to call the show when I used to do nine to midnight here on WBT back in like oh nine twenty ten, and uh, uh, I said that very same thing about Ross Perot. And this guy John called in and said that that was not true. That Ross Perot uh, did not cost uh, Bush, uh, and he cited some surveys uh, exit polling. And so I went and I looked it up afterwards, and he was correct. He was correct. The exit polling indicates that the uh, the people who voted for Perot were evenly split between uh, Clinton and Bush. And had you allocated those votes accordingly, uh, then uh, uh, Bush still would have lost. Clinton still would have won. So uh, I'm not sure it made a material uh, change to the outcome of that election based on the exit polling. But for whatever good that is, you know. Well, I stayed with but I wasn't that I was disappointed with George Bush. Uh, but I, I have been really disappointed in his son and all the Democrats, or Republicans. I, I Frankly, I wanted, I, I worked in the business world for years, and I wanted somebody that ran the government like a business. And none of them up there, and that's why I voted for Trump. Yeah. And I'm his, of his generation. I grew up with him. He doesn't bother me. I know he does crazy things, but I think he's a true American, and that's why I voted for him. <laughs> Jim, I appreciate the call. Thanks. All right. Thanks, sir. I got another email here from a different James. Um, Pete, if Trump cared at all about the country in general and the Republican Party in particular more than he cared about himself, he would take his accolades and graciously bow out. I am under no illusions about that. I think his policies were spot on and I supported him. I am very thankful for what he accomplished, 
But the guy has become unbearable. He's insufferable. His wounds are self-inflicted. First, he attacks DeSantis with an unnecessary diatribe. Then Glenn Youngkin. I've I've stayed with him as long as I could, but I'm done. The Republicans will find themselves in the wander will find themselves wandering in the wilderness if Trump is the candidate. A fragmented Republican Party cannot stand against a unified left and all its media auxiliaries. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is from Lee, not James, from Lee uh, over in Haywood County. Thank you, Lee. Uh, appreciate the email. You can email too, by the way. Pete at the Pete Callender Show dot com. Um, what else here? What cost the Republicans the red wave? Well, we went over how the Democrat last hour, we mentioned how voters of color moved to the right, just not at the rates predicted. But Republicans are still making gains among uh, minorities, which is great news for the country and the Republican Party. Right. I don't want racialized parties. I think that's really unhealthy to have racialized parties. When we have parties that are that are diverse and have a good mix of various racial identities, then those issues go away and it becomes about policy and issues. That's where I want to go. That's where I would like to be. Now, I understand some people who control levers of power would not like to go there or be there because it undermines their their control and they can't use it as a wedge issue against others. But what do I know? I'm just a radio host. WBT Uh, Scott KRNC 24 on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and block you now. And I've already moved all of your messages into my junk spam folder. So like, obviously I'm contributing to some OCD expression and uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be a drag on your mental health. So I'm just going to go ahead and block you now. Really? I wish you all the best. Good luck. Um, at Patriot Girl says the only reason I'm still registered a Republican is so I can serve as a poll judge during the elections or I would be unaffiliated also. Jeff says, Pete, blow Tony's mind on uh, listen. Oh, I just listened to Pete blow Tony's mind on voting primaries. Tony was like, you just mess up everything, <laughs> right? Tony only wants Democrats to vote, right? That's what he was saying. I was not, I shouldn't be able to vote in the Democrat primaries because I'm not a registered Democrat. Okay, well, how about this? What if I go and I register as a Democrat? How about that then? I'm unaffiliated, but I'll go register as a Democrat, and then I can vote in your primaries? That makes it better? What are you saying, man? Plus, look, in, in cities like Charlotte, uh, and even now the entire county, right? We, uh, do we? No, we don't. We, we don't have a Republican on the county commission either anymore. There's no Republicans on city council. You have two Republicans out of 11 and they're in districts down in the Southeast. And one of them is probably that district is probably going to turn blue too, right? The city is getting bluer. The County is getting bluer. The surrounding areas are getting redder. I, as a limited government proponent, I am living in Charlotte Mecklenburg and have for the better part of uh, now, what, since uh, 99. So 23 years. Yes, even when I was in Asheville, I was going back and forth between both cities um, for, a, for a little while, and then I registered up there. Oh, and I was also in Buncombe County, Asheville, 
again, blue city, blue county in a sea of red, Western North Carolina. Same principle applies. If I want to participate in my local government, if I want representation, if I want to be able to weigh in on who is running, I have to be unaffiliated or a Democrat to do so. But then again, sometimes, like in the Republican presidential year uh, primary, I wanted to vote in a Republican primary, which I did up in, uh, in what was it, 2012 and 2016, right? So I chose to vote in the Republican primary. I got to pick. Look, Tony, if you don't, if you don't like that, I would suggest you register as an unaffiliated, and then you go vote in the Republican primaries. Yeah, Here's uh, MAGA, American Pitbull, (laughs) from the Twitter machine. Sadly, your caller, Tony, apparently never heard of Rush Limbaugh's Operation Chaos. Right, exactly. Right, where this whole thing to get Republic, what was that, for Hillary Clinton's Senate campaign up in New York, right? To get a whole bunch of Republicans to go register as Democrats so they could vote against her in the primary. Because in New York, they have closed primaries. So you have to be a member of the party in order to vote in that party's primary. And that's fine if you, you know, North Carolina wants to do that, I guess. They could go back to that. I, I have never heard anybody make the argument to do so. The Republican Party certainly isn't doing that. They're certainly not interested in doing that because they would have much smaller participation. Look, be, having open primaries actually can give, you, can give you more moderate candidates that have a better chance of winning in a general election if the candidate is good enough to win over unaffiliated that are now more interested in voting in that race, right? It's a, it, it actually has the ability to, uh, to rein in some of the excesses that you end up with when you have closed primaries where Republicans, uh, the candidates will run to the right to go as far right as possible to shore up that base in the primary and Democrats run to the far left to shore up that base in their primary an open primary more like a general election like that. Unaffiliated get to go in either one, and so there may be some moderating impact that that has. Maybe, depending on the race and the candidate, whatever. But what am I supposed to do if I live in Charlotte as an unaffiliated or, and I'm not allowed to vote in the Democrat primary? What, what then? If I don't want to register as a party member, D or R, and if I'm in a closed primary state, I just don't ever get to have any kind of vote in any of my local elections. That's what Tony wants. That was Tony's, uh, I shouldn't say that's what he wants, but that's the argument he laid out, is it not? Right. This was the position that he found himself arguing. Now, maybe he doesn't believe in that, and he just found himself there because he was losing the argument that he started off making, and so he just kind of retreated to this other argument and then lost that one too. I don't know. So maybe he doesn't actually believe any of that. But that is the argument he was defending, that I... Unless I'm a party uh, member of the Democrat Party, I should not be able to vote in Democrat primaries. And if I am uh, an unaffiliated or Republican in a city or county controlled completely by Democrats, I should not worry about that. I don't get to ever elect somebody. I just get to vote in the general election and that's it. Instead of trying to change the uh the Democrat primary candidates, which is what I did. I voted against Sheriff Gary McFadden for Gina Hicks. And I did that because, I don't know, she used to run the jail. And when she ran the jail, we didn't have as many people dying in the jail. 
Seemed to me like that's a pretty good thing to do. Not have people dying in the jail all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, she was a Democrat. Is a Democrat. Black female Democrat. So, like, you can't accuse me of any, like, I voted, that's, a, that's an issue vote. And you may not like issue votes, but the most comical argument came at the end where he said, I have no principles. When, in fact, he was arguing with somebody who does have the principles. Like, Tony realized, or, or uh, Tony's argument was, I don't think he realized, was that he's, uh, he's the one without the principles. His only principle is vote Democrat. That's it. That was the, and, and he did not really know what to make of somebody who actually does have the principles. He couldn't argue with me on the principles. So he just tried to argue that I could, I, I shouldn't be able to vote. <laughs> it's really amazing. But I appreciate it. Tony, you call back any time, man. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All righty. Uh, let's talk about the ladies. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Exit polls show nearly 70% of single women vote Democrat in the midterms. Unmarried women voted Democrat in the 2022 midterm elections by a significant margin, exit polling showed, compared to married individuals who favored GOP candidates. Isn't that interesting? CNN exit poll of almost 19,000 people found 68% of single women marked their ballots for Democratic politicians, a 37-point margin over the Republican Party. Quote, one of the fascinating things about our ongoing political realignment is the massive political incentive Democrats have to keep women unmarried. So saith Molly Hemingway, uh, formerly of The Federalist, and I think she's a Fox contributor, was, I think, maybe she's seen it. No, no, she's Fox. Um, yeah, I mean, think about that, right? Political parties respond to their core constituencies' desires, so if you can build a core constituency of unmarried women, right, then you'll get, you're always going to get their vote and you're always going to do things for them, which then, of course, maybe entices more women to stay unmarried. Do you see a slippery slope here? Okay. Sorry, I'm just trying to res- trying to find a different word to say. Well, how about just the yeah, pound sand. Okay. Um, <laughs> News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. So, uh, Daily Wire Brandon Dre writing about exit polling that came from CNN that found a pretty huge margin of support. Uh, or difference in support for Democrat candidates among unmarried women. One of the most fascinating things about our ongoing political realignment is the massive political incentive that Democrats have to keep women unmarried, said Molly Hemingway. Because compared to married individuals who favored GOP candidates, single women, 68% of single women marked their ballots for Democrats. That's a 37-point margin over the Republican Party. Republicans gained 20% more votes from married men than Democrats 
single men voted 7% more for GOP figures as well. Right? So you've got Republican married men, or sorry, married men voting more Republican, single men voting more Republican. The Democratic Party has essentially capitalized on the destruction of the nuclear family, right? Right? They have a political incentive. And I'm not even a I'm not I'm not even attaching motive at this point. I'm just saying the results are clear. They speak for themselves, right? If if the nuclear family disintegrates and a political party attracts the the people who are now no longer part of that structure, then that party has benefited politically from the destruction. The question then becomes is is there an incentive for the for the Democratic Party to continue to destroy the nuclear family in order to gain political advantage? And I think there is evidence to, uh, to suggest yes, they do. Studies suggest single women vote Democrat more often than married women because they depend on a single income. They have feminist attitudes towards social issues like abortion and premarital sex. And... They agree with ideologies that redefine gender roles and family responsibilities. Former California gubernatorial candidate and radio show host Larry Elder, he argues oftentimes that the welfare state has incentivized women to marry the government and men to abandon their financial responsibilities. I think the evidence is pretty clear on that as well. Yes, when you incentivize something, you get more of it. When you regulate something, you get less of it. Inez Stepman, a senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum, called the statistic a political force on Twitter. Quote, on the right, we love to mock and complain about this, but millennials will have the highest proportion of unmarried and childless women hitting 40, probably in all of human history. And they will vote to ruin your life. <laughs> all right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers are... 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. All right, let's hear what Winston has to say. Hello, Winston. It's been a while. It has. Did you miss me? I don't want to lie. I know you did. Hey, listen. The red wave didn't uh, show up because Americans love socialism. We love free stuff. Democrats more than Republicans. The only difference is... The Democrats just give a little more free stuff. And, uh, you know, the destruction of the nuclear family, you know, it's kind of ironic. I've been watching this Kanye West thing where the Italians are running Hollywood. You know what I mean? The Italians are running Hollywood and basically cut this deal with the music industry to pump the rap music into the inner cities to make more criminals to fill up the prisons that the investors were going to reap. And I find that kind of ironic. I mean, you turn the radio on today. Is there a, hey, Winston, is there a, is there a conspiracy theory that you have come across that you have said, you know what, that sounds crazy to me. I'm not going to adopt that one. Is there one that, no, that you you've... What? Let me ask you something. No, no, it's a serious question. I am curious. Like, are there theories that are out there that you that you don't subscribe to. Listen, I just weigh the evidence. No, I'm Well, then show me, then tell me one, tell me one example of something where you weighed the evidence 
and you adopted, let's just call it the conventional wisdom or the uh, what, what most people think is the truth, right? Whatever that might be. Oh, let's say, you know, if you work hard at your craft, you're probably going to go ahead and retire with some money in the bank. I subscribe to that th- conspiracy theory. That's not a conspiracy theory. Well, it, it is. Uh, a lot it's of the, it's the Protestant it ethic. So, no, that's not the conspiracy. Hey, no, no, no. The reason why I'm asking, there's a, re- there's a serious reason why I'm asking. This is, I'm not like making fun of you. I am seriously curious. Have you ever come across one of these types of theories that you have, as you said, weighed the evidence and then rejected? Reject? I, I, you know, I, listen, I don't want to go down. I just, I'm a, I'm a juror on the bench. I'm a highly educated individual. That's why I'm asking you. No, I haven't. Because I haven't explored all the conspiracies out there. But and you've I never, but so, all right, so hang on a second. So every single... Every single one of the conspiracy theories that you've ever researched, that you've ever done the deep dive on, you've never found one that did not, that you did not believe to be true? That every single time you do the deep dive, you always end up on the side of believing the conspiracy theory versus the conventional wisdom? Yeah, why do you always label everything conspiracy theory? I have, I have no other term for it. Winston, Winston, I have no other term for it. I'm using it as a shorthand. I don't. I, I'm just using it as a shorthand. I'm just curious. You could call it story A or story B. If story pigeonhole me. If I'm not pigeonholing you, I'm asking you a legitimate question. If story B, it, let's say uh, explanation B is the conventional wisdom, and story A is not, and you do your deep dive, what do you and you do? You always end up with the A being the more plausible story versus B. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm not deep diving into all the conspiracies. I may tread water in the deep end, but I don't go deep. I didn't say you did. Enough. Why do you have? Why do you? It seems it seems like you're having a hard time either understanding what I'm asking or you you're refusing to participate because you're afraid of what the answer might be. And I don't know which it is. No, I'm not afraid. Okay, not well afraid. then, what is it? Wanna, so how many of these? Notes. Okay, so how about this moon landing? Moon landing? Okay. Like moon landing? You want to do the moon landing? Did we land on the moon? No. Okay. Did uh, did Oswald kill JFK alone? Uh, no. Okay. So this is what I mean. These are like the quote conspiracy theories, right? Versus conventional wisdom, and the, the two well, that I just conventional wisdom. What the media I, tells us. I understand. What, what the I media understand. Tells us is that conventional right. wisdom. It, it is. Yes, that's well, what makes it conventional. Wallow? Is that the conventional wisdom? That's literally what that means. Yes. By the red media. No, it's literally red what media? conventional. Winston talks about Winston. It's literally what conventional media. wisdom you know, means. It's all the okay. Media. There you go. It always ends with the Jews. The reason why I asked Winston that, the, that question, and you could tell it made him uncomfortable, it's that this goes to what I've mentioned before, the research about people who start believing in conspiracy theories. Once you go down that path, you end up believing all of them. They don't ever encounter... That's why I was asking, because I was genuinely curious to see if Winston's experience aligned with the research that we covered a couple, uh, probably about a, a month or two ago. You Once you start believing these things, you believe all of them. And Winston just confirmed. There isn't a conspiracy theory he doesn't believe in. And then he says, oh, what, just because the media says it's conventional wisdom? Well, yes, that's actually what makes it conventional wisdom. That's not to say it's true. 
See, I'm not arguing one thing is true and one thing is not. I'm just asking if every single time you always come to the same conclusion, you might want to reassess your process, your methods, you know, if you're always coming to the same conclusion. Alrighty, so exit polls show nearly 70% of single women voted Democrat in the midterms. Here's another headline. Um, The data have spoken. I hate that word data. The way it could be used with has and have. How it's singular and plural. So frustrating. Anyway, the data have spoken. Abortion was a decisive issue in the 2022 midterms. So writes William Salatin at The Bulwark. I know, I know it's at The Bulwark, but hang on. That's one headline. Abortion was a decisive issue. Or David Hersani at The Federalist headline, Democrats are wrong to insist that Dobbs stopped the red wave. So we have a bit of a competing argument here. By the way, pro-lifers, if I told you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever, that, hey, Roe v. Wade gets overturned, and in response, you're not going to win the Senate, which you don't control, uh, but you will win the House. But it'll be very close. Would you have taken that deal? Right? I, I would. So I don't control either chamber or the presidency, but I get Roe v. Wade overturned, and then I pick up the House. Yeah, okay, I'll take that deal. (laughs) Sure, why not? (laughs) Yeah, if that's the, and honestly, like the longer we get, or the further away we get from the Dobbs decision, the less impact it is going to have. Because this is going to be settled at the state level. So uh, first up, William Salatin at the Bulwark, he says, did Dobbs torpedo the GOP? He says it certainly did, citing voter surveys. National exit polls sponsored by several TV networks and VoteCast strongly support this conclusion. So it's not definitive. It's just this is, you know, you're trying to divine uh, these outcomes, these conclusions. So in the network exit poll, 60% of the respondents said abortion should be legal in all or most circumstances. 27% of the voters said abortion was the most important issue in casting their ballots. Democrats won both of those groups. 60% of voters said they were angry or dissatisfied about Roe being overturned. More than 70% of that group voted Democrat. Right, which makes sense. The network exit poll could not measure the increasing salience of abortion because in the 2018 midterm elections, abortion was so low profile that the exit poll did not even ask people about it. But VoteCast did, and its new survey documents a colossal shift. In VoteCast's poll of the 2018 electorate, nearly 80% of Republicans said abortion was a factor in how they voted, but only 20% of Democrats said that. This year, those numbers turned upside down, giving Democrats a 4-to-1 advantage on the issue, which makes sense. Does it not? It makes sense. Four years ago... Abortion was a reason why people would go vote. If you were pro-life, you voted Republican, you wanted judges. Makes sense, right? Well, now with Roe v. Wade overturned, not a major issue anymore. Now it'll be at the state level, but not at the national level. Meanwhile, the party that had all the power and never codified Roe v. Wade relied on that court ruling to stand as it was, never seeking to make it 
legislatively stick, um, yeah, they're going to get they're going to get upset about it. They got energized by it. I believe that. But the numbers don't tell the whole story. Dobbs did not just influence which candidates people voted for. It also influenced whether they showed up at the polls at all. And this provided a crucial boost to pro-choice candidates. This makes sense as well. There is a separate analysis uh, of the vote cast data. This one done by the Kaiser Family Foundation, which ironically or paradoxically, they're actually a big abortion uh, rights group. Um, They say abortion drove a significant number of Republican voters to support the Democrat nominees. In Pennsylvania and Arizona, 12% of Republican and Republican-leaning voters said the return of Roe v. Wade was the most, or the overturn of Roe, was the most important factor in their vote. And about 20% of these usually Republican voters cast their ballots for John Fetterman or Mark Kelly. And in close elections, that can be decisive. Now, None of this proves that the court was wrong to overturn Roe or that Republicans should not continue to oppose abortion. You can make principled arguments for both positions, but politically, the result is clear. Most voters are pro-choice, I would add, to some extent, to some extent. This is why, like, Republicans, like the leadership at the NRSC and the, uh, the, the NRCC and the RNC, the leadership... And, and Trump, too. Like None of the leaders that have been driving uh, these campaigns, none of them made abortion uh, an issue. It's like they didn't want to talk about it. It's like, OK, we overturned Roe v. Wade. Let's just move on. Well, no, you've got the left that's out there saying, oh, Republicans are banning abortions all over the place. And if you if you're going to allow the Democrats to paint the Republicans as extreme. Then you're, you're just abandoning the field, right? You're not even mounting a challenge. You should be arguing, well, you guys want to allow for abortions up to the moment of birth. That's the bill you guys signed. And just hammer away at that because that's the most radical position. Fewer people agree with that than they do on banning abortion outright. (laughs) 